Well, thank you for being here this morning. If it is your first time, we don't do that every week, but um, if it's your first time, we, we always want people to know what we're about, and it's very simple here. It's above the doors when you come in, into the sanctuary, but we just want this to be a place where you can connect with Jesus, connect with people, and, and connect people with Jesus. And if you get to do one of those on a Sunday, that's a win, but if you get to do all three, we just consider that even better. And so with that in mind, will you, uh, will you pray with me? And then we'll dive in. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the gift of uh, coming together and being together this morning and for what we will be celebrating in just a few days. Your precious gift, a baby you gave to us, a Savior. Keep that on our minds and on our hearts as we, as we listen to your word this morning and in the days, weeks, months ahead. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I have a question for you. How many of you in here, by show of hands, how many of you in here put up lights at Christmas time? Okay, all right. Now, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna expand on that a little bit. How many of you, by show of hands, put up lights outside at Christmas time? Okay, one more question, by show of hands. How many of you, it's your, your individual personal responsibility to put those lights up outside at Christmas time? Okay, so we're all going to bond for a second here because that's also my job at Christmas time. And I, I have to tell you, I, I got done putting up the lights outside our house this year, and I stood back, and I looked at the finished product, and then I thought about the process. And then I looked at the finished product, and I thought about all that that took. And then I looked at the finished product, and I looked at like the scars and the scratches and, and thought about the headaches, and I just thought, you know, this really wasn't what I imagined. See, let, let me tell you a little bit about what the process entails for me, okay? Um, first, ladders. Ladders, okay? I, I don't have this fear of heights, but here's the thing. If you don't know, or if you can't tell, I am five feet, four inches of towering, imposing human biology. Behold, okay? And uh, that means I breathe air I, I breathe five feet, four inch altitude air, okay? Five feet, four inches. When I hit about the second or third rung of a ladder, my, my nasal passages are now above six feet. <laughs> and for all of us that are under six feet, over six feet is like a different level of the atmosphere, okay? They fly aircraft at that level. There's less oxygen at that level. It's just like, I sit there and I think, how do people do this? Because when I'm on that third rung, like, I, I, can't, I can't breathe. There's not as much oxygen up there. Uh, my vision gets blurry. I can't think straight. In fact, if you are one of my over six feet friends, which feels like this whole room almost, but if I ever look at you funny when you're talking, here's what's going through my brain. That didn't make any sense, but it's okay. They're not getting as much oxygen as, as the rest of us. And so... Um, that's what's running through my brain. No judgment, it's just compassion for you. I, I feel for you, okay? So anyhow, that's the ladders part of the process. And then there's the lights part. And don't judge me for this because you've done this. I just don't learn the lesson. What happens is I get all the lights up and then I plug them in for the first time. And then I take them all down because there's one bulb somewhere that, that is throwing the whole thing off, okay? And then the other part of the process that drives me crazy, it's the fuses. So you got the ladders, the lights, and the fuses. We switched over to LED lights, and supposedly you can string together strand upon strand upon strand of LED lights and not use as much power. 
Okay, not at our house, all right? Here's what, <clears throat> excuse me, here's what happens. After about 5 p.m., when it's starting to get dark and our lights come on, we just have a rule in our house. You can't use electricity at all, okay? And, and usually what happens is somebody turns on like a space heater, somebody turns on a fan, somebody <laughs> plugs in their charger, and it's just like, because <laughs> the breaker, the breaker flipped. And I go outside, and like our whole block is off, and this quadrant of Denver is off until I hit the breaker, and then it's back on. And I just, so any time that our lights are on and they're shining, and I just stand out there on the driveway, I mean, I feel, I feel good after all that, but here's what happens. My wife and children, they go, it looks, it looks good, Dad. I, I go, I, I was kind of imagining more than that. I was imagining, like, a cake and maybe an award from the, the neighborhood uh, association, and like people would come from miles to adore the, the job that I've done. And it's just, it's just, it looks nice, Nathan. You know, next year we should actually, you should adjust this and add to that. And, and I just go, I imagined more <laughs> than this. And as I thought about that, I realized it's kind of a picture of how Christmas has gone at certain, during certain years of my life. I mean, isn't that kind of how it goes? In June, when you have that one fleeting thought about Christmas, you imagine, you imagine like joy and happy and fulfillment and all this stuff. But December's a different story, isn't it? See, in June, Christmas is looking very relaxing and stress-free and joyful and happy and wonderful. And that's there. But there's a process that doesn't always feel so good as you walk through December, is there? In fact, it, it's kind of like that video we just watched. Because that video really is happening outside of us but it's also happening inside of us to a degree, isn't it? it? There's this passage that John, who wrote this gospel of Jesus' life, John says something in John chapter 1. Let me, let me read this to you. It'll be up on the screen. The Word, that is the Word of God, became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And John is really holding up this beautiful statement about what Christmas is from the perspective of God. I mean, in other gospels, you get these earthly accounts of all the things going on, but this passage is like from God's perspective. Here's what's happening at Christmas. There's something really, really big. And as much as I can feel what's behind this passage, I got to admit, sometimes I, I, if you're like me, you get into December and you look at this passage and you go, glory? This time of year, this is a picture of glory? And the reason for that is what we've been talking about the last few weeks, that oftentimes, you know what Christmas is to us? We do a lot of preparation and a lot of pointing and a lot of planning for the what of Christmas and not the who of Christmas. Isn't that true? I mean, we, we said it a few weeks ago. A lot of times our preparation has to do with meals, and deals, and ideals. And when those things are off, when we miss out on those things, when they get distorted and skewed, it's easy to look around at Christmas and go, is there glory in this, Lord? Because I'm just, I'm just seeing all the stuff I've got to get done. Because it's easy to zero in on the what of this season and not the who. And so we've, we've talked the last few weeks about what would a shift, or what would 
What would maybe uh, some practices look like that we could make this season about the who? And so we talked about preparing. Alongside preparing for all the what of Christmas, the meals, the deals, the ideals, what would preparing for who look like? And then last week, Brian Burns, would you actually thank Brian Burns for getting up here last week and sharing with us? Brian Burns, he talked about what we're so pointed at during this time of year, that oftentimes we're so pointed at gifts and the budget and how are we going to pay for these gifts and how are we going to get these gifts and what is the right gift? We tend to make that the point. And, and he was able to say, well, what if in our pointing at the what, we also get pointed at the who? That maybe the gifts aren't the point, they're, they're created to point at the who. The what is created to point at the who of this season. And so today... Today, even if you haven't gotten to think about the prep, preparation during this season, even if you haven't felt like you've gotten the time or you missed an opportunity to get pointed to the who of this, this season, I want to talk about one more practice or one more shift that we can make that even now, if you've done nothing up to this point of the Christmas season to get outside the what of the season and onto the who, I want to suggest one practice, and it doesn't take much time. One thing that we can think about this morning. And in order to bring that up, and in order to get you there, uh, I, I need to invite you to step into the shoes of somebody who, when you look at what they went through at the first Christmas, when you look at them, I think they maybe have that thing that goes on inside of us. Glory? God? This is what glory looks like? Because when you see and when you think about what was going on in their life, you and I, if we were in those shoes, we'd go, that doesn't feel like glory this time of year. And yet, in the midst of that, they give a reminder. They serve as a guide for what we ought to consider, even in the next three days. And that person was Jesus' mama, Mary. Because when you think about, when I dig around in what was going on in Mary's story at that first Christmas, I mean, it was a roller coaster. And there were elements, as I think about it, first there were elements that many of us could relate to that affected her comfort level. In Luke chapter 1, we read about an angel, and it's not just any angel, it's like the angel, Gabriel. Gabriel shows up to where Mary lives, to the place she'd been used to, Nazareth. And if you know anything about Nazareth, Nazareth really doesn't have that great of a reputation. Nazareth was a place that years later, one of Jesus' followers, Nathaniel, great guy, great guy, all right, Nathaniel, he would, he would look at Nazareth, and when he heard that Jesus, this Savior, would come from Nazareth, you know what his response was? Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? And I have to imagine that in this room right now, in this room right now, there is somebody that you're looking around at the place you're in right now, during this season. Maybe it's a physical place you're going to go spend with relatives, and you're just not looking forward to it. Or maybe it's a, it's a season and a place in life where you look at it and you just go, Nazareth? Can anything good come from this place? And Mary had gotten so used to Nazareth. She had gotten so maybe comfortable or used to life in Nazareth that when the angel showed up and made this announcement about this baby, that God wanted to bring through her. I can only imagine what she was going through and how it affected 
her comfort level she'd gotten so used to. Then I think about Mary and the manger experience. I mean, we're used to hospital beds for delivering babies. And Mary had a manger that we often uh, think is, is maybe a little more soft and fluffy than it actually was. I mean, we imagine like a wood barn, maybe with some insulation, and maybe a hot tub, and maybe like some pillows. But chances are it was a lot more like a cave, a cold, dark cave with the stench and smell of animals around. And I imagine maybe there are people in here right now that as you look around, it just feels cold and dark. And you're trying to enjoy the Christmas season, but it's a challenge. And then you add on top of that, I just was thinking, man, I would never even open my door. You know, in our age of ring doorbells and all that kind of thing, she's got strangers showing up at her door. Okay, God didn't send an angel to her door once the baby was there. He sent shepherds. These total strangers she may never have seen before, and she, they were like, we want to see your kid. Would you open that door? <laughs> no, none of us would. And so you can imagine her comfort zone was severely affected at Christmas. And I imagine there are those in here who your comfort zone has been affected. Then I think about the other things, like her sense of control, completely gone. Think about it. She was planning a wedding when this announcement came about. She was engaged. There were wedding details to get to. Do you feel out of control this morning? Mary would say, I understand. I completely understand. And there was even the, the response or the reaction of her fiancé when she gave him the news. In fact, you can read what his response was. Over time, he had decided in his mind he was going to end this relationship because the news that she was carrying a child and knowing he had no part of that, he could only think one thing. She cheated. She cheated. And then there, were, there would be the opinions of others as she began to show. People knowing that she was not yet married, there would be these opinions that she had no control over. Twelve years go by after she had that baby. And this child that had come through her, that God chose her to bring into the world, this child is now 12 years old. And 12 years later, we read this account in Luke. Same chapter as the Christmas story, actually. 12 years go by, and Mary and Joseph, they're at this Passover festival, and it's time to go home. And they start looking around, and they go, oh, we can't find our kid, which is a problem when God has asked you to raise his child. You just lost God's son, and there's He's God. There's no like, well, maybe, maybe he won't notice. Maybe we just won't tell him. No, he knows. He knows. And they finally find Jesus. They finally find him. And they, they say this question that we often say both at Christmas time and all the other times. Why? Why? Why have you treated us like this? See, what happened at Christmas and this child that came at Christmas, it affected Mary's comfort zone. It, it was beyond her control, and it was outside her understanding. They said, why have you treated us like this? We have been anxiously searching for you. And Jesus responded. He said, did you not know I had to be in my father's house? 
Did you not know I was going about my father, my heavenly father's business? Did, did you not know that? And you know what it says right after that? But they did not understand. See, Christmas and this child who comes at Christmas, who came to us at Christmas, oftentimes, you know when it happens? Outside our comfort zones, beyond our control, outside our understanding. Now, if I could step back from that for a minute and just think about us, isn't it just, isn't it nice to know that there is somebody who could understand what you're going through right now? That as you walk through this Christmas season and maybe you're asking the question, why, God? I don't understand. And this is not comfortable and this feels out of control. Isn't it nice to know that there's somebody who could relate and that that somebody was not like this small side character in scripture that you don't know much about. It's the very mother of Jesus. See, that's, that's an incredible thing because oftentimes, whether it's at Christmas or other, other times of the year, when I get out my, outside my comfort zone and when something's beyond my control and it's, it's beyond my understanding, I, I don't really think. I don't really think about what he's up to. I get very, very tripped up. But in the middle of these two episodes, the reason I bring up these two episodes, both Christmas and 12 years later, is because there is one sentence that Luke gives us right smack dab in the middle of it. And I often miss it when I'm going through the Christmas story, but it is so crucial, if you ask me. That if somehow I want to experience the glory of Christmas, then this, this is central. In the middle of everything going on at Christmas. Luke chapter 2, verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And then 12 years later, in the middle of not being able to understand what this child was up to, Luke, in the same chapter, 2, verse 51, it says, then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them, but his mother, here it is again, treasured all these things in her heart. She treasured. You want to know what you can do at Christmas time? I mean, you can prepare for a who, and you can get pointed at a who, but if you haven't had time to do any of that, you know what I'd invite you to do? Is treasure up and ponder. Ponder, in the middle of life not being comfortable, in the middle of life not being controllable, in the middle of life not being understandable, what if, what if we could stop and in the middle of it go, I'm not going to get tripped up by the what? I'm going to treasure up the who of Christmas. Because your perspective and my perspective, you know what happens? They change when that happens. They change drastically when that happens. Case in point. I, I'm thinking back to over 12 years ago now when we had Lainey. Okay, we had our oldest child. I got her permission to share this story. And 12 years ago when she was born, I remember sitting there and just holding her in the hospital. And after the tears were gone, I'm looking at her, and as she's sleeping, I'm just thinking, I'm pondering. What is this child going to be? What kind of personality is in there? What, are, what is she going to do in this life? Who, who is she? So excited to find out. 
Two years go by. And, and at that moment, let me add this. I remember thinking, she's perfect. She will never, ever do anything to upset us. Ever. Two years go by, okay? My wife was working the night shift at Littleton Hospital. She, so she would come home and sleep during the day. She's sleeping during the day, and it was nap time for two-year-old Lainey. So I put her down for a nap, and this is about one, two in the afternoon. And we would always turn, we'd turn on this fan to help her go to sleep. So this fan is going. And suddenly, from her room, I heard giggling. And I heard, like, this joyful baby squeal. And I opened the door, and Lainey had managed to undress herself except for her shirt, and she had pulled off her diaper, and she's just windmilling this diaper, like, you know, and laughing about it. Okay, I am very careful with my use of the word literally, okay? Because I believe when you use the word literally, you should use it when that thing actually happened. Literally. The poop. Literally hit the fan. Yeah. Hadn't, hadn't really pondered that as I held her. And I just remember, like, I mean, I, did, I thought I did a pretty good job cleaning. Weeks later, I remember changing her diaper, and I'm, like, looking at the wall. It's like, what is that beige dot? Oh. Oh. And I went, we're not cleaning. We're going to paint. We're just going to paint over all this. <laughs> Actually, we're moving. We're just going to move, okay? The real estate agent could put in the report, in this house, the poop literally hit the fan. That's why they moved, okay? And for me, that, this was just like this, what? Like, I, I, am I screwing up her life or maybe she's screwing up my life? That's how I, I took it because I was so I tripped up by the whole deal. So my wife, she wakes up and she's like, that is so cute. <laughs> I, and she goes to this notebook where she just, she wrote the whole thing down. She's like, this is a memory. This is a memory book, and I went, that's treasuring up. When life is not comfortable, when it's not controllable, when it's not understandable, you know what, Mary, how she, she pulls ahead of us, really. Where we would get tripped up, she treasured up and pondered this child and who is in the midst of it. Now, here's why I think we struggle big time to shift to the who at Christmas, because you, you may have heard of one, two, and three-dimensional living. This is something that sociologists talk about. One-dimensional living is, is living that puts me at the center. And so I will interpret every single event, big or small, as how it affects me, my plans, my possibilities, my preferences. One, one newspaper journalist actually said this about Teddy Roosevelt, the president, decades ago. He said, Teddy Roosevelt, great guy, but he really needed to be the bride at every wedding he went to and the corpse at every funeral. It was just about him all the time. And, and I look at my life and I think about our lives and I realize that's actually very natural. It's very natural, but the thing you got to know is it's very incomplete. There's more. And that gets us to two-dimensional living. Okay, two-dimensional living is where I'm, I put myself in the middle, but I also put all the external things that happen to me and around me in the middle as well. And so I think about life in terms of kind of these political give and take, relational give and take, and how everything affects me and how I affect everything. I was reminded of this uh, just over a month ago. 
there was this Veterans Day assembly at the elementary school that two of our kids go to. And it was, it was really cool to walk in and see these veterans from, like, they had fought in wars decades ago. And they were there to speak to kindergartners through fifth graders about what they had seen. And then there was, they actually planned a time for there to be a question and answer session. Now, these guys get done talking, and, and the, the, this guy that had been in the Navy, and I mean, it was amazing to hear all he had said, highly decorated, he had his uniform, all his medals, and he said, any questions? And this hand goes up, and it must have been like this first grade kid. He's like, what was the name of the boat you were on? And I thought, okay, that's a good question. The guy said, it's the USS Hamlin. And it, it was later sold to somewhere else, and it sank. Second hand goes up. How far did it sink? <laughs> he said, well, I, I don't know. Third hand goes up. Did a shark get into it when it sank? Fourth hand goes up. This is probably like a third grader at the time. They were like, did you ever, did you ever go into war with a lightsaber? And I was like, oh, man, now, now we're this poor veteran. Like, he, he thought he was coming to talk about his experiences, but they actually want to talk about their experiences. Finally, this other hand goes up. They're like, do you know Darth Vader? And, and I just thought, poor guy. But this is, that's where we live most of the time. When you live one-dimensionally and two-dimensionally, you know what happens? The contents of Christmas and all the rest of the time of year are a what, not a who. But three-dimensional living, three-dimensional living does what Mary does here. In the middle of life, being outside of our comfort zone, being beyond our control, outside our understanding, three-dimensional living looks at it and goes, I'm going to look for a who, and not me, and not another face. I'm going to look for you, Jesus. I'm going to look for what you're up to in the middle of it, regardless of how life feels. And when you do that, you know what happens? The very next verse, Luke 2, 52. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Did you hear those first three words? And Jesus grew. I mean, of course, Luke's referring to Jesus physically growing. But you know what I've experienced? When in the middle of life, just not making any sense, and it doesn't feel good, and you can't do anything about it, when you live three-dimensionally, and you look for the who in the middle of all of it, Jesus grows. Who Jesus is grows in our lives when we do that. And something very, very powerful happens years down the road in Mary's life. And this is why, this is why, even in just the next few days, all it was was one sentence in the middle of Luke's chapter 2. In the next few days, would you just take one sentence to do this? Because years later, in John chapter 19, Jesus has been put on a cross and Jesus, as he's hanging on the cross, John notes that Mary and a few other women are standing there. In fact, he says it like this. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, this is John referring to himself, he said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into 
his home. And as I think about that, I just think, wow, here is this woman who treasured up and pondered at that first Christmas, and now she's standing here watching her son die. And I sit there and I think, what carried her in those moments? And the reason I wonder that is because, isn't it true that at Christmas, more than any other time of year, we think not just about our preparations, not just what we're pointed at, but we also think about those that we once spent Christmas with that are no longer around. We think about those that we've loved and we've lost. And I I look at Mary and I think, wow, what carried you during those times? And I think it has everything to do with Luke chapter 2, verse 19 and 51. And she treasured up and she pondered, Jesus, where are you in the middle of all of this? I believe that carried her all those years later. When I think about John and all that he wrote, he actually lived with this woman. Imagine, John not only had had the encounters with Jesus, but he had heard the stories of a mama who could tell far more stories than we even have about him in his childhood and all that she had treasured up and all that she had pondered. And it carried her. See, if there's one thing you got to know this morning, it's simply this, that the contents that we treasure at Christmas time will carry us the rest of the time. The contents that we treasure at Christmas time will carry us the rest of the time. And if those contents have to do with the what of Christmas, I'm just here to tell you, it will fail you every single time. But when those contents are a who, he's faithful. He's faithful to carry you. That means how I do this time of year is really a picture of how I do the rest of the year. With all the activity, with all the getting out of my comfort zone, with all that I can't control, with all that I can't understand, the contents that I carry at Christmas time can carry the rest of the time, the rest of the calendar. Now, it's, it's thought that Mary died long before John ever wrote this. When John wrote this, it said that he was a very old man. But I can imagine, however it works in the eternal realm, if and when she read or she reads those words that he started us with this morning, John chapter 1, verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. There was a time in her life that I have to wonder if she said, glory? But as time went on, I have to believe that she would look at this verse and go, amen, John. Amen. Why? Because one sentence in the middle of all that was going on at Christmas and all that that life entailed. Now, I know, we're we're less than 72 hours from celebrating and remembering the arrival of God's holy and precious gift of Jesus in our lives. And here's what I'd ask you. I know there are probably pages and paragraphs of life and to-do lists and everything that you've still got to get through between now and Wednesday. But between now and that time, would you take one sentence? Would you just take a couple minutes and treasure up and ponder no matter what's going on in life? 
Because I can tell you, it will carry you. It will carry you. What you treasure at Christmas time can carry you the rest of the time. I'm going to invite the worship team up. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are so reminded in the midst of all the busyness when we stand back and we look not at our Christmas lights, but at Christmas itself. It's easy to go, where, where's the glory in this, Lord? And, and I didn't really imagine this. Heavenly Father, you're so faithful to remind us over and over and over. And so as we look, as we walk through the next few days, wherever, wherever the to-do list is and wherever we find ourselves, would you open our eyes to a moment where we can just create room for a sentence? to treasure up and ponder where you're at in the middle of all of it because it's truly the greatest gift that you've given us and that we could give ourselves this Christmas. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.